What's up, gentlemen? This is Rising Phoenix Podcast, a podcast about how to rise up after your divorce. I'm your host, divorce coach, Michael Rhodes. Let's get into it. Joining me today is Noam Roucher. Noam, why don't you uh, jump right into it and tell us a little bit about yourself? I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, so, I, I mean, I think I'm a nice guy if I could just start off with that, like a pretty <laughs> decent human being. If I could just throw that in there before we get into the career stuff. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a, a good person. You know, I pay my taxes on time. I take out my recycling. I help my neighbors when I can. <laughs> Um, and sometimes when I can't, uh, and, uh, I'm an educator and a rabbi and I do a lot of coaching as well. I do spiritual and I do divorce coaching, spiritual coaching for anyone who's really seeking it. Anyone who's facing a challenge or a deep quandary in their life, they're at a crossroads and they need to approach it with some type of perspective or wisdom. They need to draw on their own internal strength, uh, to move forward through those moments uh, whatever they might be, career change, uh, loss of a loved one, a loss, loss of love in general, loss in general as well, um, you know, and any number of different other life scenarios. They could be celebratory as well, becoming a new parent, right? Getting a new job, right? Offering into a, wandering into a, 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 a new scenario entirely. Uh, and then a divorce coach for men, particularly for men uh, who are moving through it with uh, a sense of confusion and want to uh, have clarity and perspective and wisdom and, and, and draw on again, all their own inner strength. There's a lot of overlap between the two, um, particularly going through this moment with uh, confidence and dignity. Uh, so I help them find their strength and their perspective and their clarity uh, in those moments uh, and particularly in divorce. So they can, they can get what they want out of it uh, and also have peace. Uh, and so um, there's a lot of really fulfilling work that I'm doing lately on top of teaching, which feels wonderful. So, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying myself. I want to go back to something. This this might uh, cause cause a rabbit hole. I try I try to avoid saying that phrase uh, or, or or word because I say it too much. I think, but it happens. It's reality. So here we are. Let's do it. You said, "I think I'm a pretty good guy." Yeah. Yet, <laughs> start off with that. Despite all that, you still wound up divorced. Isn't there some kind of a mind fuck there in the beginning? when you're going through this, cause you think, well, geez, I'm not that bad. Am I don't you, sure. don't you go through that sort of yeah. questioning if you're, if you're a, a good person or not, at least I know I did. I, and the answer initially was no, I'm a shitty person. I'm a bad person. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're uh, taking the uh, transition seriously as you should, you have to ask yourself what you contributed to it. Right. Rarely do things, does life happen to us and, Maybe it does to a lot of us. The life just happens to us. And maybe divorce just kind of happens to us. But you still have to ask, you know, what led to the circumstances by which that could be, right? Why would divorce be something that's in your life now? Why did your ex ask for it? Um, And yeah, there could have been certain things that you did. Maybe you didn't temper your anger, didn't manage your depression, or you drank or smoked too much, or you didn't listen to what she said, or you stepped out on the marriage, or you lied, or... You did any number of different things that could have been really problematic, um, you know, and you didn't heed any warnings or anything like that. I don't know that that necessarily makes you a bad person. I think that makes you human. For sure. Um, I, I think there is a easily visible line that we've created 
between things that are criminal and immoral and crossing those, then I think does bring your character into question. Uh, But for the most part, I think, you know, we're complex people and we do hurt each other. There's no question about that. I'm not going to deny that or dismiss that. There's hurt and there's pain deliberately being inflicted from one side to the next. Sometimes it is physical and abusive and criminal, and that needs to be dealt with in a particular way. Sometimes it's just emotional and not even stemming into the area of emotional abuse, right? right, Or financial abuse, but simply just because we're human beings and we hurt each other. And that's an unfortunate element of life. Um, You know, and hopefully we can own that. I mean, I think that's what makes the difference between really being an asshole or being a shithead or being a jerk uh, and not. Uh, whether or not you can admit that you did those things and take responsibility for it and then learn and grow from it and to say at that time I was thinking or feeling X, Y, and Z, which is why I acted in this way. And now at this time, I am not that person. And I'm more aware of when I become like that person and how I can handle it and channel it in better ways so that it doesn't inflict pain upon other people. There's a great expression I learned in this whole divorce journey of, of hurt people, hurt people. Mm. It's true. So I wonder what type of pain was I in at that time when I when I did that? Not that that justifies what I did, but hopefully that I can understand myself and hopefully I can explain myself a little bit better. Yeah, I always feel like it takes pressure off of yourself because we're so good at putting pressure on ourselves and for blaming ourselves and for because it's it's sort of our natural default setting. But if you can take a step back and say, well, I I, I didn't know better. So I, I, I knew what I, I I worked with the tools I had, you know, it wasn't necessarily that i was a bad person i just i just didn't i didn't know any better i didn't i didn't have the skills i didn't realize i didn't have the um uh introspection or or you know i just i just didn't know any better did you find yourself blaming yourself uh in the beginning was were you very hard on yourself like i think most most of us uh that got got through this in the beginning too yeah 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 no i went through moments of feeling like a real zero um, I went through moments of not really wanting to be Noam anymore of being like, this is really ugly and I don't like talking about this and I don't like mm. uh, being part of the story and wanted to escape all of that. No question about it. Um, you know, but I think and also doing the work of taking accountability, right. And that deep introspective work of asking yourself what you do need to take accountability for. Um, you also realize what's not yours to take accountability for what's still there nonetheless and so the two-way street becomes clearer and clearer and so sure you may have contributed certain things that didn't work right and you have to bear the responsibility and the consequences of that scenario now but at the same time you don't bear that alone because you know that someone else is going through it with you uh and again there are always exceptions to that it's a pretty heteronormative way of looking at divorce right um you know but so that's my story nonetheless. And if we're talking about, do we see ourselves as assholes? I used to, I did. I don't anymore. Yeah. Um, were you, all the things that you listed, obviously divorce coach didn't come until divorce or yeah. coach, coach probably in, in general, but the, the spiritual aspect, the rabbi stuff, I, uh, were, were you a rabbi before divorce? Um, is this something you found after? I, I'm just curious, like was spirituality uh, a part of your life pre-divorce? Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, so I'm a little bit of a hired gun in that way. But yeah, um, I w- I've been a rabbi since 2011, officially. Um, they say you become a rabbi when you go into rabbinical school. But, you know, I know I officially became it in 2011. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, and it's been something that's informed, you know, my path, uh, not only professionally, but also personally as well. And I think aided me in the process of going through a divorce because I can see kind of like how I was going through any number of different stages uh, and how I was grieving it uh, and what I needed to do and as a way of solemnizing the, the whole event, right, of making it sacred um, and giving it meaning so that it wasn't just something that happened to me, but that also brought me wisdom and perspective and also uh, a better sense of who I was uh, and maybe even a new identity in the process. Cause I think that's what spirituality is. It's how connected are you and aware of this connection to the larger world around you uh, and how does it impact you in that way? And how does the larger world around you become part of you and how do you become part of the larger world through that connection? Yeah. Uh, and so um, for me, it was a real kind of saving grace. It's what built bridges for me to reach out and find other communities to be a part of, to reach out and seek help. Um, and I think to uh, come out more whole in the end of divorce than I think most people do. Uh, I certainly didn't want to be bitter in the end. and I don't think I'm bitter. You know, I wrestle with things from time to time. But uh, again, I'm human, uh, but I'm not bitter, which is good, which feels really good. And I feel like my spirit's been emboldened from the whole process as a result as well. And I, I think those are some of the best things that you can ask for in the process. And I think it's primarily because of my spiritual practices uh, and and feelings of spiritual connection. Yeah. yeah so you kind of did define it, but I always like to define things. So what but let's focus on it and and, and um, perhaps uh, hone in on what is spirituality to you? Uh, anything that connects you to the world around you and something greater than yourself. I did that. So there, man, there's a lot around there. So I'm, I'm, I'm probably not as in touch with with that side of myself as I'd like to be, and it's one of these one of these years. So I'll focus on it in some kind of way, but. Well, but wait a second. You've got a wonderful title for your podcast, The Rising Phoenix. That's a beautiful idea and image. And I would suggest to say a spiritual one as well, right? In the sense that you understand the idea of rebirth, right? True. Of being born again after crashing in some way. Um, and if anything, being reborn in a more beautiful, more powerful way. That I would suggest is a very spiritual concept. The question by which people actually, you know, engage in that metaphor in their own lives so much so that it does become a tool of empowerment is another thing altogether. But to have a connection with it and to see it as something that brings you inspiration and a reminder about what is possible is a beautiful thing. It really is. Yeah. Well, it's definitely, I mean, I chose it for a reason, for sure. I, I don't know that I looked at it um, in a, in a larger, a larger sort of connected to something else kind of way. Um, but I, but I guess for me, I, I, probably just struggle with the definition of, of spirituality and, and connecting with something greater than me, just because I never, I didn't have religion in my life. And I know that spirituality isn't necessarily religion. And I, and I definitely understand all that. It's just, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think I've ever personally honed in on it, but uh, in terms of like asking some of these bigger questions, I always feel like I'm sort of agnostic in some ways where it's like, I, I don't know, like, it, you know, if Jesus or Muhammad or whoever Buddha right. knocked, knocked on my door and said, Hey bro, could you help me out with this? Right. I'd be like, well, Jesus. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I hear you're a great guy. There, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How can I help? Um, but that obviously is not going to happen. And I, I struggle with faith, uh, just having the, 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 the belief that something's there without him uh, knocking on my door. But, but so 
for you, did you, if you believe in, in sort of a higher power type thing who sort of um, nurtures and oversees, maybe nurtures is the wrong word, but I, I guess what I'm, I'm sort of wondering is, did you have questions about your spirituality because you're going through a divorce? Like, I would think there would have been a part of me that would have been like, well, F you God, like, where, where are you now? Like, why are you putting me through this? Which I, and I, and I understand that, that, you know, there's nuance to that in terms of like, well, it's, he, that's not how it works and all that kind of thing. But yeah. for you personally, did you struggle with things because of your, your divorce? So um, I think the most dramatic I got about my divorce is that it was a death. It's a, because it's a loss. I mean, you do lose yeah. the family unit that you were creating and any dreams you had of that family unit moving somewhere together. Absolutely. I, I think it's a death. And that was the most dramatic I got about it. Um, I, I really questioned my spirituality more so um, when I experienced the death of a close friend. Mm. Uh, when I was <clears throat> uh, just turning 28, uh, it was very difficult. And actually, uh, his memorial uh, has come up. His memorial dates. And so um, uh, we're going to be honoring that. But that was more of a circumstance where I ended up questioning my faith significantly in my relationship with God. Um, through divorce, um, I don't know that I turned to God so much. Uh, and I don't know that I blamed God as much as I did when my friend died. Uh, and I certainly didn't walk away from God or anything like that. Because I think in the grander perspective of things that like, yes, divorce is very difficult and it is like a death, but it's not like the actual death right. of, of, of a loved one. And so let's just, and that is not to dismiss the significance of divorce for anyone. But I think for me, the proper perspective is respecting life first and then mm. comes marriage. Um, mm. And so what I certainly did was become upset that my community didn't really rally around me in the way that I expected and that I wanted, yeah. uh, especially after reaching out about it yeah. uh, and letting them know formally and letting them know how I was. Yeah. Uh, and to know that my community also didn't really have a lot of formal tools, rituals per se to handle these things. Like I needed to, I, I'm I'm blessed in knowing how to navigate through my own spiritual practices and that of my faith. And so I could adapt the rituals as I needed to really fit the moments that I was going through so that I could process these experiences with meaning and find the wisdom involved in them. But I had to do that on my own. Yeah. And that was primarily upsetting about it too. And so the distance I had from faith, whether you want to say it was from God or from community or both, much more had to do with just how do I process this whole experience and less so to do kind of like with the ultimate shock of the event, like with the death of a friend. Did you, because you're now in a, as my friend Chris says, you know, divorce is a dirty word in the American church. Sure. Did you now that you? I mean, I don't know at the time, or, but certainly now you're in a position, sort of, of, of leadership, right? Um, do you find yourself making a point to handle it differently than it was for for you by by those that you sort of ex had expectations on? Do you do you think that shaped how you view it now and how you handle it? 
you're talking about if I was in the position and someone else came to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They were going through. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question about it. I mean, and I think that's part of what I'm offering the community is to say that if you are going through experience, you don't have to go through it alone. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just came back from a retreat that was the first Jewish divorce retreat. And so wow. um, one thing that was clear was just that there was a lot of people who wanted to share and be heard and be seen. Yeah. Um, and affirmed for what they were feeling. I mean, literally, we were having small breakoff groups and people were reporting that in these small little breakoff support groups that were all part of the retreat, that as soon as, you know, we would open the floor about like, how are you doing or something like that, people would break down and say, it's things like, I'm so glad I'm finally here and I can share this yeah. um, because they had been keeping it bottled up for so long. And so, um, you, you know, I think, the lack of having vessels by which people can gather and ritualize what's been going on and honor it in that way also creates, unfortunately, um, uh, you know, a, a reservoir within people of things that they want to share and it just builds up and it builds up and, and, and people need space. And I think at the very least what I'm creating is space for people to share those experiences and be seen and be heard so that it does provide them with greater meaning and perspective. Yeah. So, then would you would you say that your spirituality evolved during this process uh, uh doesn't sound like it it waned um did it strengthen uh what how did it in and, and, and I, I guess the ultimate yeah. question is how did it guide you through this yeah well i think you know the two things that spirit my spiritual spirituality helped me realize was that i had um uh, wells full of, of resilience and grit, uh, two traits that I didn't know I even had in particular, hmm. um, but that the ability to bounce back from something, right? Not only to, you know, experience and go through it and then come out the other side, but then also turn it into something that's been really beneficial for me in certain ways, yeah. um, just in terms of the opportunity to write a new chapter and, and having this new door to walk through. What else do I want to bring into my life in that way and taking advantage of it? thinking about myself as a parent and challenging myself as a parent and also needing to restart my career in that way. Yeah. Um, and seeing that I had the opportunity really to bear down for extensive periods of time and really put my shoulder into it to trust myself and to see the worth that came from all that um, was really a beautiful transformation to have gone through in the process. So um, I'm grateful for that because had I not known that I would never have felt this way as about myself as I do now. Um, which is very different um, as compared to going into the divorce and even going into the pandemic. Um, as you, you went through the process, you sort of you leaned into it, I, I guess. Do you, do you think that in a weird way, and I always struggle with this thought that you're, you're grateful for what occurred. I mean, I think it, given the right amount of time and perspective, um, you do, you know, and where you are, um, gratitude is a natural disposition to find yourself in. It really is. Because inevitably, if you're where you are and you had gone through that experience, you're stronger for it in some way because you're not dead. Hmm. You know, and you're very much, even if you were injured, you got past it. Right. And the body naturally heals in stronger ways when it does get injured. I mean, exercising is inherently injuring ourselves. We tear the muscles yep. so they come back bigger and stronger. 
you know, and if all those, and those are, I think, again, if you're looking back on these moments, you potentially, uh, that's from a, a, a perspective of privilege to have done that, to have survived that moment, gone through relatively intact and even stronger and wiser as a process. Again, if you're a spiritual person, a spiritual individual, then I do think, yeah, gratitude is a natural place to be at that point because you have to say thank you for what it, what it gave you. Man, Even that's that, a, that means thanking the, you know, the difficult people involved. Yeah, that's such a tough, for, for me, that's a, and I, and I think I'm getting there and I think it's a constant sort of battle, but it's a tough, it, it almost feels invalidating a little bit to say, in a way, like, boy, I'm really glad that happens. And then, and then, and so in that, or this happened and, and also in, in some ways they're also saying, I'm really glad she did that. But boy, is that tough to square because it's like all this shit that I went through and the money that I've lost and the time with my children yeah. and all yeah. these things. It's so hard to sometimes for me uh, go, boy, I'm glad this happened. But there has yeah. been so many positives. Yeah. But when you I feel like sometimes that feel, to me, it feels invalidating to, to say, like, so glad this happened. Yeah, it, it almost like I don't know. Maybe it. Maybe I feel like it's giving her a pass or something. Which I'm slowly but surely getting to the point where that doesn't fucking matter to me anymore. Whatever, whatever happened, happened. But there is a struggle well, there where it's like you, you, you're in a way being grateful is thanking her, and, and I don't want to thank her for any fucking thing. You know what I mean? I, I can look. I can respect that, and nobody says you have to be happy about it. It's not a matter of that. It's a matter of being grateful. Look, life hands you things. From time to time, Very you don't true. have control over it. And the large extent, what makes you a mature individual, how you handle those challenges. Right. And again, nobody says you have to be happy about it. Right? Right. Nobody says you have to be angry about it either. True. Right. And you could also think of forgiveness as a tool to letting go of anger, which is just yeah. to say, right, the, the longer you stay angry about this thing that life has presented you. And again, it's not fair. It's not good. Yeah. Right. For the most part, it may not be good. Right. You may not have yeah. liked it. It might have brought you a lot of pain and shittiness. And yep. who knows? On the flip side of all the good stuff it's brought. But at the same time, right, that's anger inducing things. But why let her live rent free in your head? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. By still being angry about it. Why not just kind of forgive her and move on and say, fuck, I'm going to do the best I can with what yeah. I've been given. Right. And. I'm not going to let it get me down. It certainly yeah. seems like that's happening with your podcast. It happens with my podcast. Sure. Right. You know, I, it, I think those are the best things that some of the best things that you could ask for in a circumstance like this. And again, maybe it's the anger that fuels you, right. As a way of saying, mm. I'm not going to let this circumstance get yeah. me down. Right. But rather than let it control you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that's, that's where you want to get to. I just sometimes yeah. looking back or, or reflecting sometimes it it's, Again, it feels invalidating, uh, and but but at the end of the day, I like that phrase. Uh, middle of the day, whatever. At some point in the day, um, but why is it invalidating? I mean, look again in that moment. Sure, you don't. Nobody's saying you have to be thankful for it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, the feeling about it, it fucking sucks. There's no yeah. question about it. Yeah, right? it does. And it can still it can continue to fucking suck, but that also doesn't mean that you can't feel at another point. Right. That like, yeah, it fucking sucks. Well, I'm also grateful for it. Yeah. I feel well, that way about going to the gym sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> I'm in the middle of it. Right. In CrossFit. And I'm like, this fucking sucks. I fucking hate this instructor. <laughs> Why is he doing this to me? Why is she doing this to me? Right. This is not what I signed up for. Right. I wanted it to be tough. I didn't want it to be this. And then yeah. you come out and you're like, 
and, and you might feel really better, good, uh, better about yourself. Sure. Good about yourself. And you're like, all right, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's all, I think it's, I think it's perspective. I think is what is what it boils down to. Like you, you can have the perspective that it fucking sucks, but, and that's the, that's the perspective part where it's like, okay, make the best move forward. Don't stay stuck. All these things. It's more about having the perspective of what, you know, what now and how, and how to, how to be better now or whatever, or how to use it or whatever. Um, versus just saying, boy, this fucking sucks. All these things, all this money, the lawyers yeah. and not yeah. seeing my kids. And yeah, those things, I think that obviously they still exist there and, and, and it's true that they did suck and it wasn't right perhaps, although who knows who can say that that's a, also a different, difficult question, I think. Right, wrong. Whose choice? Did she make a, a, a right. valid one? Was it? Was it? Right. The things I did were they really worthy of that? All this shit. But, but whatever. You can you can stay stuck there. You certainly can, yeah. and and people do, and men do. Um, yeah. I, I think people, but but maybe men a little bit more. I don't know. But but then it's what now? I think is 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 the ultimate question. Um, but 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 there are just there's certain moments sometimes where it's like, well, almost almost feel like a child, like. Eh. Like I don't, but I don't want to do this shit, right? Like you were saying, like like with the 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 instructor, like ah, this sucks. I don't want to do it, but but you do it anyway because what choice do you have if you want to have a, a better life, a good life? That's part of being an adult as well. I mean, if yeah. you're a kid, unfortunately, yeah. you, you know, as a kid, fortunately, you have the opportunity to sit there and whine about it, and someone else will take care <laughs> of what's going on around you. But you don't as an adult, no, and you don't. can't have a moment by which you do whine about it and get pissed off. Look. I know plenty of people who go to rage rooms. You know what rage mm. rooms are? Yeah, These yeah. Are the best yep. thing. Like you yes. just go and smash shit. You give them money <laughs> to smash shit. And yeah. you give them enough money to let them smash a car. <laughs> you can have those moments. You can do those things even as an adult, right? But to an extent, you have to schedule them out because you got this whole other life that you need to take care of. And potentially you have other kids to take care of, real kids, right? Yeah. Who are having their own real meltdowns about their own real shit in their own yeah. lives. Yeah. And you're as the parent, you need to navigate all that. And so nobody's saying that you can't have that. And, you know, in order to, uh, I, I would say, avoid the invalidation, right? Say it doesn't matter if you validate it or yeah. not. This is the yeah. experience that I'm having. Yeah. I'm going to have it. Let me have it, have it, and then move on and do some other things. Because again, the maturity in adulthood comes from being able to experience the things that are happening to us. And I would argue a matured adult is inherently a spiritually connected adult, but to experience what's going on around us because the world has just brought us these things, staying connected to it, right? But not letting it overpower us, right? Taking it in, right? Letting it impact us, but then using it in really useful ways and not being overwhelmed by it, but by turning it into something else that could potentially be really useful. Yeah. No. So I know I a hundred percent agree. I mean, you, you honestly, you don't, you don't, you don't have a choice, especially with, if you have children, um, you, there, there is no other choice. I mean, of course you can do whatever the fuck you want, but um, if you want to, I don't know if do it the right way is, uh, is the best phrasing, but if, if you want to, if you want to have any kind of a life, you, then you don't have a choice. Like you have to move forward, handle your shit. Um, you said something. And, and by the way, I think that's what being a man is. It's about yeah. owning, owning your shit yeah. and it's yours. Own it, figure it out and, and move forward. You said something that I, I, I scribbled down. Um, uh, uh, if I want to see if I got this right, a spiritually connected person is a mature person. Is yeah. That I, did I get that right? Yeah. 
how, can you can you dive into that a little bit? Because I'm, 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 what does that mean to you? Uh, and and um, how do you, how do you, maybe how do you get to that if you're not if you're not? There's there? a a great piece uh, from the Talmud uh, where it talks about looking at pretty normal things through the perspective of humanity and through the perspective of God. So you you look at a full glass, right? Mm-hmm. And a, a full glass of water and a human being says, there's no way you could put any more into that. Right. right? Cause it's full, it's going to overflow. Right. Yeah. And you know, God takes a look at it and God says, no, you can put more into that. Yeah. Right. That it's possible. And the whole idea is, you know, attunement, Right. And whether or not you're capable of seeing the beauty in the world. Mm -hmm. So if you're capable of seeing the beauty in the world and you've seen it plenty, right, so much so that you're full of it, right, that doesn't mean you're incapable of taking more in. On the contrary, it means that you're capable of seeing more of it around us because you're so well attuned to it in that way. Right. Um, Good candy for that matter. Right. Doesn't matter the size of the candy bar. What matters is the quality of each bite. Right. And to the extent of which you can value the quality of each bite, you'll be able to value it that much more. Right. When you do see it around in other places of other things. Right. And it's got nothing to do with the size of it, but more so to do with the quality of it. Right. How really you appreciate the depth of the experience in the moment so that you can experience it in any number. It's like building a muscle, building a practice in that way. I just, I try to, to sort of, as I think I've said this a million times, I probably repeat myself so very fucking much. Um, it happens. Uh, I, I, I always think about these things in my context, right? And, and, and I don't consider myself a spiritual person and I wish I was a little bit more, but I don't even know what that means. So, so let's, let's hone in on that. Let's say uh, you're me <laughs> and you go, uh, I'm not spiritual at all. Uh, how do I get to be that and 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 how how would you because you you coach men through through that and you yeah. sort of you 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 lean on on that i don't yeah. and i don't mean that in a negative way i mean that's just what you you know there's part of your focus what would you say to me as a, someone that coming to you and saying hey i i want to be more spiritual how do i do that yeah i would start with a, a beautiful story um and i heard it told by david foster wallace who's a an author uh, that's since passed on he was a, a great yeah. american author he told I it love him he told this um uh, story at a graduation ceremony where he was giving a speech and he says there are two young fish that are swimming along in the ocean just going about their business swimming you know in the ocean during the day to which uh, at some point they come across a, an, an older fish right who just meets them at some point and says hey boys how's the water yeah. to the two young fish look at each other and they nod and they nod at the old fish and then they swim on right and he says have a good day and they swim on for a little bit longer, and then all of a sudden, the two young fish look at each other and they go, "What the hell is water?" <laughs> yeah, I love, right? I love that that whole speech. Yeah, yeah, yep. And so I think the the first step is you know really trying to be aware of the things around us that um, are right in front of us mm-hmm. that we often miss, right? And thinking so selfishly sometimes, right, or thinking so forwardly at times, right, too far in the future about what's going to happen rather than being in the present moment, right. Um, we forget about the rest of the world around us, the people that are right in front of us who maybe need us, right, or trying to communicate something to us or be there for us, and we might miss them entirely, right? Who are these people and what do we really need to be paying attention to that we're often missing because we're too caught up in ourselves and we're too worried about the future? 
and so um, that's where I would end up starting with someone who's with that story. And I'd be asking, you know, like, what do you think you're missing? Hmm. Do you think um, that God works through people? And I know that seems like an obvious question, but I'm just thinking about this moment and in interaction right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's causing me to go, huh, let me think about some things and let me, and uh, is it possible that did, 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 did God lead this, lead us to this moment? I, I know that sounds, I don't know how it sounds, maybe strange, but like, I, this is water right here. Me, we are like leading me and you to this moment. Yeah. So here's what I think. Here's what I think. You can call it God as maybe just the easiest three letter way of, you know, people right. attaching to this idea, but I'm going to broaden it to being, you know, something more akin to the force, you know, maybe like even in star Wars of this, you know, creative greatest, you know, positive energy running through the universe that encourages us and, and invites us into communion with the universe. And I think also, um, to make the world a better place, right? It invites us in with every single choice that we have, right? That invitation uh, exists. Here's here's why I ask, because I I know now, based on some of your words and some of your wisdom that you're imparting to me, that I'm going to, when we're done here and we wrap up, I am going to, I'm going to look at the sky differently. I'm going to look at the tree in my yard differently. You know what I'm saying? And like, I feel like that, is a part of being spiritual based on what you're saying. I know that my actions when we are done with this interview are going to be different than when we started. And if that's the case, perhaps there was someone saying, let's, let's make Michael look at things a little differently today. It, it, you know, it, obviously well, I, a lot of shit led to this, right. Uh, you know, a lot, but, but here we are. I would be touched if that were certainly the case. Uh, and I would certainly want that to be the impact I have on everyone I speak to that they see the world a little differently. I can promise but, you whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, God or this force running through us. There's an opportunity that we're given at every moment as to whether or not we want to connect with that force. Right. Mm -hmm. That opportunity. Right. That I think a lot of people have in front of them as to whether or not they want to, you know, be fully present in that moment, how they want to move forward uh, and what do they want to learn from that moment? And what will they do at the next subsequent moment based on what they learned from that previous one? And so we're always kind of building on those things by virtue of being connected to this larger force that's around us, right? Those who practice, I think, spirituality, those who want to be connected to that and other human beings, right? And they realize that like that means being in tune with the world and being able to be connected to people and being in conversation with them and also trying to understand them emotionally uh, and really trying to be there for them. And so, you know, hopefully what I would encourage through this conversation is to say that like, you don't have to take every moment for granted that you can go outside, yeah. right? And see that there's a tree there and, you know, appreciate the moment for the fact that there's an actual tree there. And I'm not saying going up to and hugging it, but if you <laughs> wanted to go up to and hug it, <laughs> right? But also just appreciate the fact that like, there's a greater world around you that exists yeah. that grows trees. And those trees yeah. are part of a larger ecosystem, which yeah. do help clean the air and beautify the world, which you now get to enjoy and breathe clean air in, right? Yeah. And, seeing yourself as being part of all that as opposed to outside of all that, I think is a key inherent step to recognizing the water that's around us, mm -hmm. right? And not going on oblivious and being, yes, yeah, spiritually connected to a, a larger experience, a larger force that is running through the universe. Um, and that starts with being aware and seeing how other things are connected to one another. I always feel like it's organized religion's fault that there are people like me that 
feel the dogma of religion keeps me away from the, the sure. beauty of of the force as we we're, we're, we can call it um it feels like it's under lock and key and if i it, and i have to adhere to that dogma and i'm not saying which religion or all religions i'm just saying it feels to me personally like there's this such dogma around you have to be a certain way and you got to do this thing and you got to do that thing and and it's and it's honestly it's fucking judgment from from humans not yeah. from religion well, but and the funny part about it is that this whole point you're bringing up about individuality and does God work through individuals and things like that is exactly what organized religions don't want you to know is that there's a lot of different ways of doing good, right? And you can do that. And so, yeah, God can work through people individually like that, right? Or this larger force can work through people if they so choose to connect themselves to it, right? Um, but that and the, the church wants followers. They don't want people who are individualists. Mm. That's sad, right? Isn't it like missing the fucking point yeah. in, a, in a way? Yeah. There's power, though, in the collective. True. And a lot of people enjoy that. That's true. And I mean, because it's the church and focused on virtues of humanity and doing good and God's will and all that stuff doesn't mean that it's incapable of being corrupted. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I, I think that's that's it just it, it feels like um like a missed opportunity or or. And, and you know, I obviously I bear my own responsibility. I'm a, I'm a grown man. I, I could do my sure. own sort of like investigating and, and feeling. And sure. just it feels like in in this particular moment, I've had this sort of epiphany. Like it's it's I'm missing out in in a way where I've missed out because I looked at spirituality or religion as sort of one and the same and. And uh, not for me, but but the reality is, it's it's for me if I want it to be under my, on, on my terms and, and defined in my way. And maybe maybe God to me is, you know, speaking through you to allow me to appreciate the trees outside or 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 the blue sky or, or the warm day that we're experiencing here. Um, I suppose the larger question is, how do you expect that communication to come? Right? Do you expect it to be an actual voice? Do you expect it to be, yeah. you know? You know what do you what do you expect it to look like? And I think how are you attuning yourself to that? I think, and that's I, I, I'm not, and I think that's the key. And I think yes, I expected it. I think I've been let down by, you know, it goes back to childhood. I think it, you know, the expectation of safety and warmth and and uh, love it, it feels like bullshit uh, because I had a shitty childhood. Obviously, people had worse, and I'm 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 okay ish. You know, I'm working through my shit, but. I feel like that set the foundation for me to not, unless someone again knocks on the door, like I'm not seeing it or hearing it, so I'm not believing it, and it 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 causes me to to probably miss what is so beautiful about the world. Um, what if you're also hiding part of yourself? I mean, look, you want to talk about the discomfort of childhood not really existing, right, and not being warm and fuzzy? Then the beginning of the Bible is perfect for you because this mm -hmm. that comfort and you know warmth of living in the Garden of Eden doesn't last for very long. True. God gets pissed off pretty quickly, yeah. right? And, you know, humanity is there hiding from God rather than seeking to be in connection with God or whatever it is, right? right? So I, I ask this with people of all the time, which is to say, where are you, right? And that's a very spiritual question as opposed to why are you? That's a psychological question. Mm -hmm. But where are you is kind of like, do you want to be seen? Do you want to be connected with other things? Is that something you're hoping to gain? Maybe you enjoy being alone. And I know particularly for guys, this is a powerful question because we do enjoy isolating, 
We'd rather be alone. It's easier not to be in connection with people and feel those feelings. And so to be separate from everyone means that we're capable of doing what we want, experiencing what we want. Um, And so we're used to often being alone in that way. Uh, But I would argue that the last thing you want to do while you're going through a major transition or you have a particularly large question about something or you're facing a, a major challenge in your life is to be alone. You want to be with other people. You want to be with other people who see what your strengths are and can remind you of that, who can also keep an eye on your weaknesses and let you know when those are you know, showing themselves and so you can do something about it. You want people who will celebrate you, celebrate with you when you succeed and who will be there with you when you fail so that you're not experiencing these things alone and that you're, that you're reminded that you're not crazy either. Um, you know, it's very easy for us to be alone in that way. Yeah, so that's a great segue because uh, this is something I think we talked about on, on your podcast a little bit. Um, men do isolate. And yeah. I have found it incredibly hard to get men to stop that. Uh, right. uh, I feel like I'm Sisyphus, right? I'm pushing that fucking boulder up the hill and it just it yeah. ain't going. I can't get yeah. it up there. Uh, I haven't stopped trying. But what? how do we, I, I don't know, I, the, the whys are probably fairly uh, easily explained. So maybe we just skip to the how do we stop that? How do yeah, we? It, self-explanatory. Yeah, I think so, right? How wh- how do we how do we how do we end that uh, or, or or how do we what are the best ways to to best things best practices what the fuck ever uh, to 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 stop that how do how do we get men to stop isolating? I mean, I keep thinking we have to incentivize in some way, right? Let's just go stereotypical. Let's give them wings and Hooters girls <laughs> and a pitcher of beer. Uh, yeah, I mean, it may just need to be that type of way to do it. I really. Uh, yeah, I mean, you and I, we talked about the difficulty in uh, creating men's groups, right? Yes. How even over Zoom, it's difficult for them to show up yep. uh, and really commit to something. And I wonder if the bar needs to be lowered, which is to say that, like, just come in and check in, right? Yeah. We're doing this for 20 minutes. That's all it is. It's yeah. quick saying hey to people, right? Yeah. And then we'll expand it from there. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I really don't know. I, I, I There's something we're really averse to about the idea of gathering it. it takes i think a special breed of guy who's willing to reach out and to do those things and i think that's kind of where i'm getting to at uh, it a little bit where it's like it's just a matter of patience and finding the right people because i I, i'm not going to the guy who doesn't want to come out for for whether it be sit down and have a meeting and talk about the shit we're going through or or throw a axe or or hit yeah. a whack a golf ball like right I, i'm not going to probably convince man, a man to do that if that's not who he is unless right. he's going through a crisis and so i think it, it I, this is what i've been thinking more lately it's just a matter of time and patience just keep you know john kim gave me this great advice once and i was like how do you See the angry therapist? Yeah. Yeah. I, right. I was just fortunate enough. I went through his life coaching school and I, I right. he, he taught a few classes and um, he, he came on the podcast. Uh, he's a fucking great guy. Nice. And I said, John, how do you deal with like creating? And, and sometimes like I'll do videos or, or posts and like I don't barely get any likes. He's like, it, it doesn't, it, you don't do it for that. You do it for the creation. You're, you're a river and you just keep flowing and, mm-hmm. and and keep putting stuff out and people will dip their toes in here and there. And, 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 and through that process, then 
once people do dip their toes and they like what they see, then they're going to come back for more. And they're, yeah. they're, you know, and, 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 and if you keep flowing, keep the river going, people are going to come. And that's right. the way I've sort of started to think about this. Cause I get very frustrated. I put so much effort into creating local groups for men yeah. and I get guys that say, yeah, I want to help. I'm going to, I'm going to be an admin and, and then they don't do a fucking thing. And I get so frustrated. <laughs> I'm like, what? I thought you were like, you came to me and said, I want to help. And here we are. And you're not doing anything. And so I think it's a matter, but, but there are guys, there are uh, Scott and Richard, uh, love you guys. Uh, they are, the seem to be, yeah. yes, they be, they seem to be pretty committed. So I think it's a matter of finding the right guys. And if you just, again, keep being that river and keep letting yeah. it flow. Yeah. And then eventually when, when they are in that beginning stages and they are vulnerable, that then they, they will reach out and hopefully make connections that will last. But first yeah. I gotta, I gotta build it up, but it's so yeah. It can be so frustrating. There are times where I'm like, fuck it. Nobody wants to get together. Fine. Fuck it. It's, you know, let's just all stay isolated. And, 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 and you know, the numbers for suicide are, you know, they're not fucking good you know, for, for men. Right. I think three out of four suicides are, are men. Um, I think it's, I think the numbers might have dipped a bit, but I'm not. I, I can't find good recent numbers because it takes so long to spit the data out. But I think the number is 104 men a day in America are killing themselves, Jesus. something like that. Yeah, it's terrible. Part of the difficulty of male leadership as well is that so much of it, you know, we realize or we think needs to be taken yes. on entirely by us. Yes, uh, women do not lead in the same way. I've noticed yeah. being a, being an educator, it's predominantly a, a, a female led organization. I think better for it. Yeah. Uh, but certainly one of the things I, I don't get a sense is that like they're leading alone, yeah. um, you know, and men have a tendency of really leading alone. That's a real problem. Yeah. I, I mean, I struggle with myself. Like I, I, right. I, I feel like, well, <laughs> I can get it done. Fuck it. I'll do it myself. And like, that's yeah. not, that doesn't breed uh, an organization. I don't think, but, but I'm trying, I'm trying to let go of that um, desire. It's not, I don't really think it's control. It's just like, you're not doing what I know I could do. I'll just do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're not, you didn't do it fast enough or I don't know about standards. I don't just do something, but I get frustrated and it probably, it probably isn't helpful to the cause in some ways, but it's just. What kind of agreements do you have between the people who are helping you out? Not nothing formed. The only thing is like, here's my expectation. There's yeah. three or four things. Yeah. And that's all I ask of you. And honestly, largely. So it's, I have a larger Facebook group. Um, I didn't, people get this wrong all the time. I didn't start that Facebook group. Um, it's called Divorce Support for Men. It was started by another guy. He's still yeah. there, but he he doesn't do anything. I took it over about two years yeah. ago and I've grown it and it's, there's 6,600 men in there. Yeah. And then, that. so then I, I just disseminate, I've, I've created smaller local groups, Facebook groups, and I've recruited uh, as best I can guys to run those. Not, not a lot. Um, I think there's 50 eight groups or so something like that um you know uh southern maryland phoenix like wow. all, all over the country um but but there you know some in some places like Tul the tulsa group's got like 10 12 guys in it but then there's like the southern maryland has one or whatever right and so i'm um, the the agreement was if you want to be an admin i want you to do these four things in the in the smaller group uh they're they, they're the admin in that smaller group so they can approve people so yeah. people request they approve that's you know, sort of one of the duties uh welcome them and say hey welcome um you know uh find out their availability when when yeah. are you available because most people have at least you know guys in our age range are dealing with custody schedules and things of that nature so yeah. and then and then the the other part of it is just 
post in a larger group recruiting and say, Hey, uh, we got this local group because we have guys joining every day. Right. Um, here's our local group. If, if you're near here, join. And I, it, it, I get guys that will post one time and be like, well, nobody signed up. I'm like, well, you can't, you can't do it once. Facebook algorithms, you don't know who knows how they fucking work. Right. Right. Um, and so it, it they get frustrated and they're like, oh, I didn't, I, no one's joining. And it's like, yeah, okay. And so they stop, which again, you know, gets me super, super frustrated. But, um, but, but again, I, I try, I tried sometimes to, to not be, um, frustrated or, or whatever. And I step back and go, okay, well, but I do have two guys right. that are dedicated and they're, they're, they're doing their best and they're putting in an effort and I just need to find more of those. And that just comes with time. But what I'm trying to do, I don't, I don't mean to get off on a tangent about what I'm trying to do here, but what I'm trying to do is build sort of the AA for divorced men, you know? Yeah. And, and so that, and so it's, it's, well, even if that's the case, I mean, just look at that from a perspective, right? People only really join AA, and I mean, really join AA when they hit rock bottom. Very true, very right? True. Like, and very few people, I think, go to it willingly. That's uh, probably and, true. You know, it sometimes it requires an intervention as well. So you're talking about three standards there that often make it difficult. But the but I think the the major point is that like it needs to be elected to, right? You you really need to choose to be there. Um, true, and, and so. I guess the question that I have is, and, and you're not asking for this, but like, if I were you, the question would, I, would, I would have is how do I make it as ubiquitous, right? If that's the right word, mm. right? How do I make it as well known, right? right? As AA, right? So that people see it as a natural step. Yeah. And that's, that's a part of the process too. But I feel like that's one of those things where I actually am trying to step back and not, um, cause I can't. So, so Scott, uh, shout Scott. He's in Indianapolis or in the, right. in the Indianapolis area. Right. I can't recruit in the, in the Indianapolis area. So, so part of once things got going, I wanted, and, and I, some of this is again, still on me, but I wanted them to also, once, once I have like a brochure, right. I wanted them to go to lawyers and say, Hey, here's, right. you know, I want right. them to go to AA groups and say, Hey, right. if you got divorced guy and I want them to go to churches. And right. hand these things out and see if and so yes it needs to to grow in that kind of a way uh and and i and i did some looking at like how did how the heck did aa get it's to be the what it is. Yeah, yeah the juggernaut it, that it and that's what it did it 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 started yeah. in i think kansas city if i'm not mistaken and then it but it, it went through churches that's how it sort of oh yeah and it helps that alcoholism is a disease right yeah. like uh an actual disease that people have to manage or there's death yeah, true. Very true. Well, yeah. but I think, you know, I think there's some, there are some similarities, obviously I think the consequences, but, but I don't know, man, because so 104 men a day are killing themselves, uh, uh, I think in, in the States and, and 38 of those in, in America every day, 38 are divorced men. And so there's, you know, you could, you could argue in some ways that I think that, I mean, obviously you're not going to divorce yourself to death. Like you can, you know, you can drink yourself to death. Right. But there is some, some serious risk there to being a divorced man because you don't have the tools to deal with it and suicide and those kinds of things. Uh, It needs to be prioritized. There's no question about it. It's a disease. There you uh, go. Yeah. A hundred percent. And so, so I think there are, there are, there are enough similarities. It's just, yeah, it's, it's getting uh, ubiquitous, like you said. And I think that, I'm trying to start with it online 
and 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 develop it that way initially but then you have to go out into the community and and recruit that way because not everybody's on facebook a whole hell of a lot of people are but not everybody is right um and in not everyone is going to reach out on something like facebook for help with something like this but if they're in a church they don't even have to reach out in some ways because their their pastor, their rabbi, whoever is going to know, and he's going to be able to say, "Hey, you should check this out. This might help you." So, I know that the idea, and and by the way, nobody steal this idea. Um, <laughs> I know it's a great idea. It's I've just been copyrighted. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah, that's true. So it's just it's just a matter of it's time. It's also I mean also I don't know what the as I said in my first episode of my podcast I don't know what I'm doing. I I don't know what I'm doing. I'm I'm making this shit up as I go. Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm trying things and I just know that there is a vacuum, there is a void and, and it needs to be filled. So anyway, I didn't right. mean for this to be a rabbit hole about my, my crusade, but, but, no, but I think it's all part of it that like, you know, you're going to go through this journey. Why go through it alone? Well, right? that, and, yeah, well, hundred percent. Yeah. And that's, I think that that does sort of tie back to, to spirituality. Isn't that sort of a piece of it is that you're, you're not alone. You know, you are part of something larger. And I think perhaps people, myself, get hung up on the what of that, who who or what or, or whatever that larger thing is. But I think if, if you're, and you, you can answer this, if you're, if you're seeking out spirituality or to be more spiritual, to be connected to something larger, and it, it ties back to AA, right? That this is what they do. Does it matter? who or what that larger thing is do, do you think like does that because i think sometimes that inhibits my quest so to speak is well who what what larger what what do you mean like who is it? no i don't think it matters i think what matters is that um you recognize that you're part of something greater than yourself right uh, humility needs to be a part of it humility is what opens us up uh to realizing that what we think is that we've constructed as truth in our head is really just what we've only informed ourselves about and not necessarily research that we've done external to that. Uh, humility opens us up to other people and experiences reminding us that we can't do certain things um, without other people. Uh, and so needing to be in a way that um, we welcome others and the world into our lives is crucial to this whole growth process. Uh, and so whether or not you want to believe in God or be connected to a force or whatever it is, um, being part of the world and not, you know, inherently I would think being a spiritual hermit, right. Closing yourself off from everything's um, you need to simply be in a position of understanding that you are part of something greater than yourself. Right. That in and of itself, I think is what makes us part of this world and is essential to our survival because you have to rely on other people. You have to, I don't know anyone that gets by in this world without relying on other people in some way, shape or form. Yeah, that's very true. And I, I think that it, it, you know, just something you said about, you know, sort of closing yourself off. And I, for whatever reason, what popped in my head is, is um, toxic masculinity. And I know some mm. people lose their fucking minds when you say that phrase, like, what do you mean? Yeah. You mean masculinity is toxic? No, that's not what I mean. Shut the fuck up and listen. Right. I think when, masculinity causes you to not care and thus cut yourself off from the rest of the world to have no fucks to give about anybody. I think that is toxic, right? There and, you go. And there you go that 
that's the lone wolf mentality stuff. Yeah. And and isn't there because I was I was watching a video this morning uh, about, you know, masculinity is in crisis and you got people like, you know, Jordan Peterson telling everybody that, you know, men can't be men or whatever the fuck he says. Right. right. I, I don't I think that's complete and total bullshit. I think our definition of masculinity maybe is off or or our expectations of it or the maybe the yeah, maybe the expectations. How do, how do you see masculinity as someone who's also, you know, you're you're obviously you're clearly a man, but you're also, you know, a spiritual, you're an open leader. How do you how do you see masculinity and and is it in crisis and what are the issues? Oh, I mean, I don't know how you're ever going to get rid of the entire gender at all, yeah. right? I don't see the idea of masculinity being in crisis. You, you know, there's certainly people who you know, find certain elements of masculinity abhorrent and disgusting. And I think there are certainly plenty of people who see elements of femininity, right, sure. being abhorrent and disgusting. And nobody wants to see those things about the other, but they're kind of here. And so the question is, how much do we encourage them and how much do we allow them, right? And also, um, you know, how do we also champion the good stuff, right? There's a lot of shunning and shaming of the bad, the toxic, the toxic stuff. Um, and, and again, like masculinity in and of itself is not toxic. I appreciate that you said that, right? There are habits, right? That many men have a tendency of practicing um, at one point or another in their lives that are disgusting, that are toxic, right? And so that's how the idea of masculinity, you know, comes into play. And I think also the idea of inherited patriarchy, right? The privileges that we've been able to enjoy in our lives, um, you know, and you know, the, the boxes that we put ourselves in are kind of all a result of that. Uh, and so um, it's masculinity is made up not only of, you know, what you're born into, your gender identity, right? Uh, your DNA, your genetics, but also, right, the culture that you grow up in, right? And to an extent, how much you wish to also transcend that and realize that, okay, you may have from a biological standpoint, a certain form and figure, but you are more than that at, you know, your core from a spiritual perspective. Uh, and so in some ways, your masculinity can be solely defined by your body. And in other ways, it doesn't have to be at all. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about patriarchy and, and sort of the boxes that we, I was yeah. sort of, I feel like people and me included, I think sort of gloss over that it, it, just because it, it's it's true it's ubiquitous it's like yes of, of course but i also think there are some folks that you know don't quite understand well what do you mean and 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 i, I promise that i'm asking so i don't understand <laughs> but but i i really think it's important to really sort of hone in on some things and so we put ourselves in these boxes and we talk about the patriarchy because that's long ago right when there were kings and and feudal systems and right and like you you know men did certain things and that's that was what they were expected and allowed and, and, and whatever. And so we're, we're talking about hundreds of years of this is the way it's going to be. And, and, and maybe in some ways, or, or, or correct me if I'm wrong, um, maybe in some ways that allowed us to get to this point, but isn't that what we're talking about? Sort of when we talk about the patriarchy, we're talking about long, long, long ago uh, in, in, in you know, medieval times, right? Um, we That's were told, the idea that I think people, yeah. Yeah, we were told this is what this is where your men will do this, and and you know uh, that's that's just the way it's going to be. Isn't that kind of what we're we're talking about? We're talking about years and centuries, right? Of of 
uh, and way before that, I mean, I think what we're just talking about is really just kind of generally accepted male behavior that went unchecked and in many ways also encouraged and celebrated by people for any number of reasons. Um, I think we all have contributed, both genders have contributed to patriarchy in one way or another because we've benefited from it as a result of needing to benefit from it, right? Um, not that we had the free range of choice, not everyone had the free range of choice of benefiting from it, but, um, you know, and, and choosing other things as well, but many other people just kind of had to choose it and needed to choose it because of the benefit it gave them, like women, right? It benefited women to put men in charge of any number of different things because men had greater earning power than they did. Yeah. So to attach themselves to that, right, may have been supporting the patriarchy in some way, but they did it because they needed to, mm. right? And how could you really blame them for that? Um, and yet at the same time, right, there might be a lot of other things that were completely unnecessary, right? Seeing men as being <clears throat> invulnerable, mm -hmm. right? Men will often say, the, the men I work with, that, that women don't want to see them weak, right. right? And yet vulnerability is incredibly sexy right now, right? right. So everyone wants to see vulnerability. Right. Um, but for many, for a long time, right, men got the message from women that they didn't want to be seen as vulnerable, right? right. And so, um, you know, like women have demanded not seeing men as vulnerable because they've benefited from it because they enjoy having a strong man around who will protect them, yeah. right? And whether that was real or imagined the need for it, right, they bought into then perpetuated that toxicity, right? The inability really to find yourself and see yourself as weak and to break down in that way and to be vulnerable, right? You might be upset that men don't do it now, but what about taking responsibility for it in the past? Yeah, so I mean, I suppose that strength and that invulnerability what was pretty fucking handy when and i always think you know when i think about these like mid medieval medieval times i think about fucking castles and knights and shit right <laughs> like those, those guys all game of thrones yeah all game stuff, of thrones right like they can't they, you know you couldn't they couldn't be they had to, they had the fucking people to, to fight and to kill and to you know that that right. was true protection true like right that they, they they couldn't be weak and vulnerable but fucking hey guys we're, there's no there's no castles being right. needed to be defended anymore right, right? But 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 I think it's interesting that you say um, women bought into it. I mean, because they had to, right? In uh, and and it's, I, I wonder if there's some some shame, perhaps, or or some pushback because because of that. Uh, you know, like generational shit, obviously. But like women did that because they had to, and now now it maybe that's you know they they don't need to, and so maybe there is some sort of pushback. Be because of that, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm kind of getting lost in my own thoughts here, but but there 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 certainly seems to be a, a a feminism wave in the last I don't know how many years, 10, 15, 20 maybe, where it's like they're they they don't need anyone or anything, right? They're they're strong and independent. But I think feminism has always been a, a lot about independence. Um, and reclaiming oneself and also living one's own life um, on one's own terms, um, supported by one's own self and one's own creativity in that way. Uh, as far as I know, that's kind of some of the roots of feminism in that way and not needing to rely on anyone else in order to lead that individual life um, and doing so proudly. Uh, and yeah, I think that butts up against maybe traditional modes of masculinity and traditional ways that women could have related to men, which is to rely on them entirely in certain ways. Again, sometimes out of real necessity, sure. right? Sometimes out of desire to simply to do so and be supported in that way. And, and many times out of real necessity. 
do you do you so how so when these men come to you and they say you know you know all right, i can't i can't be vulnerable uh what, what do you say to them yeah. now like how, how do you how do you coach them through that we practice it yeah. we practice it it's a matter of really kind of taking it step by step and you know asking one question at a time and you know explaining what vulnerability is right so that they understand that there's all spectrum between you know sharing a little versus sharing a lot and what that really looks like and how people respond to those things and what are good things to share the things that you want to hold on to maybe and really trust people with um but then also sharing bit by bit and realizing that they're not going to get shamed for it that they're going to get praised for it and even loved for it um is a real it, it's a tool it's a necessary tool in getting them to be able to share with other people yeah is there is there um a part of this too where you if you find the right woman she will be um interested in your vulnerabilities right like you said it's sort of a, a sexier thing now and... well i think yeah you find any person in your life who's willing to allow you to be vulnerable with them on your terms uh you know and then also celebrates you for it um and loves you as a result as a person you want to keep around in your life no question about it yeah yeah then that can be yeah. i think where doing the work comes in so you can identify sure. th those people that that are willing or able or because i think it's i think it's i think it's able more than anything so i think people that don't can't deal with your vulnerability are because they can't be vulnerable because it's it's a threat to them in some ways, yeah. you know. Like, well, I can't do that, so so I don't want you to do that. And I think those aren't the kind of people that you want to surround yourself with, right? Yeah. Um. So first of all, thanks for doing this. I I, I mean, this this of is course. uh, someone like yourself is very fascinating to me because you have this sort of life that that I that I don't experience as a spiritual person. I don't I don't have that. So getting your perspective, um, is really really. Uh, it's a treat uh, to me. I don't, I don't mean that to sound like flippant because it's not it really, I appreciate uh, your approach to life and your honesty and sharing it with me because I promise you when I leave here, I'm going to look at the world a little bit differently. So I appreciate um, that. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing it. So the last, as you know, the last question I ask everyone is what words of wisdom would you impart to a man who just started his divorce journey? Um, I would say continues to reach out. I mean, going along with our theme, right? The idea of finding yourself in connection uh, with other people is crucial. Uh, the men's group that I was part of while I was going through my divorce was crucial. I've said this any number of times in just in terms of being a, a vessel by which I could put different things in, uh, particularly fears and anxieties. Uh, and anger was really helpful for me in going through divorce in healthy ways. So I would suggest to any men going through it, continue to reach out, reach out to anyone who's really willing to listen lovingly and to also help you out. So your lawyer, your therapist, your divorce coach, find a men's group, find a, a clergy person of some kind, find a really good friend who's going to listen to you, you know, bitch and moan, yeah. um, you know, in really safe ways. You, you got to find those points of connection. So reach out. Yeah. Uh, ex excellent words of wisdom. I couldn't, uh, couldn't agree more. How can people find you? I know uh, the human podcast, sure. but what's yeah. the best way to reach you? You can find me at Noam Rauscher, N-O-A-M-R-A-U-C-H-E-R -E at gmail.com, noamrauscher.com, my website. And you can also find me uh, uh, on social media at that name, Noam Rauscher on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, I'd love to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, yeah, and uh, my podcast, The Jewish Divorce Project, the Human Podcast, H-U-E-M-A-N Podcast. Uh, yeah, come find me, friends. Let's chat.
Awesome. Thanks, Noam. I, I really appreciate it. Thank, thanks for doing thanks, this. Thanks, sir. Yep. Take care. Much appreciated. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. Since my separation in July of 2019, I have done an incredible amount of work on myself. I've had many different therapists, life coaches, and went through different programs. I've taken all that I've learned and put it into my own program called Forged by Fire. If you are interested in having me help you navigate your divorce, please hit my website, risingphoenixdivorcecoach.com. I look forward to working with you.